Good morning. Is anybody outside yesterday? Wow, what a day. I was in the combine all day, so I saw it, but I wasn't in it. Except when I had a breakdown, that was two hours of outside. It was wonderful. I love the fall. And I'm feeling better. I was sick all week, and I can actually, you know, talk today and sing. Maybe I can sing with you because I've been croaky and running at half power all week. But that's why we have an immune system to get us better on going on track again. But enough about me. It's good to see you all. Uh, we'll start today with number 296, Sweet Hour of Prayer. It seemed like the right opening song. Oh, let's all stand up. wish to welcome everyone here. Um, wish to welcome those that will be, you know, tuning in on during the week. I, we would like to um, 
Thank you for coming and for worshiping and praising God together. So like Mark already said, what a beautiful couple of days that we've had. The colors bright, um, you know, I, I think the best days really of the year. And you can't help but think of God and his creation. It's visible all around us. So as a call to worship, I'd like to take us to Psalm 46, verses 7 to 11, and then a couple of verses in Psalm 47. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then the psalmist responds with, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. I'd like to share what a small group of us from the church have experienced in the last month. As we each personally took time to reflect and to even write down some of the places where God had been in our journey, in our lives, we understood who God is. And as such, when we, after we'd done that, we were almost looking forward to share where God had been and what he meant to us. So I think this is what we all can do, and I would encourage us all to take that time to see what's God's story in your life, because this is what we can offer each other, and we can offer this to the community. It then doesn't matter our age. So let's pray together. Father, help us to be still and know you are God. Help us to share your story in our lives. Father, we want to give you honor and glory for your work in us. Father, release us and free us to clap our hands and shout to you for joy. Bless our morning as we worship and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next song is uh, number 300, Be Thou My Vision. Sometimes uh, I see a, verse, a song with a lot of verses I say to myself, maybe we don't need to sing all of them. I know my throat sometimes gets a little sore, but then I read the lyrics and I say, well, which verse am I going to take out? Because they're such good words. You know, God is our shield and our strength in verse 3. The Lord is our riches and our, and our worth, verse 4. And I'm not going to take out the last verse about going to heaven, because <laughs> I want to go to heaven. I'm looking forward to it. Let's uh, sing song number 300, Be Thou My Vision.
next song is number 265, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Let's take our bulletins and let's catch up on some of the things that are happening. Um, and I've got a few things I would like to add as well. So we've got um, the things happening during the church, uh, during the week. Uh, take note of those. Um, our missionaries of the week are Don and Sharep. And uh, we also want to remember GVC Stonehouse in our high school as they're beginning another year. Let's remember to pray for them. 
There's a change. Um, our, off, our office is not closed tomorrow, but it's next weekend. It's the 9th. That should read October 9th. Pastor Dean is at Eden and Salem home this morning. And um, let's remember him. One of the things that Myron asked me to announce was that um, we need volunteers for drivers for medical appointments in Winnipeg. So if any of you are able to do that, uh, contact the church and um, they'll, arrange, uh, they'll arrange that from there. You see a change in the youth's time. Now here's, here's what almost distracted me. I was gonna go first. This looks like something you'd like to eat. Those are some pretty good pictures. Let's, so let's take the time. Let's participate on October 17th for the Mission's Fall Supper. Put that on their calendars. We have um, an, uh, a position open for administrative secretary. So if you know of someone or if you are interested, please left, let the office know or let um, Esther Dick and Chris Dirksen know. In Boundary Trails Healthcare, uh, we have Dorothy Giesbrecht, Hilda Hamm, and uh, just a note that Carolyn Hamm is living uh, with the family right now while she's waiting. Um, in Notre Dame, Dave Weeb, um, in Swan Lake Hospital, Mary Duick and John Suderman, and in Manitoba, Manitou, A.B. Friesen. And uh, adding to this, Corny Friesen is in palliative care in Salem. So pray for our Gathine family. Mark? Sure. Sorry, this is not so much of an announcement, but an exciting update. So back in spring, we had our fundraiser for Gospel Equipment Ministries, our prison ministry, where we send those comic book action Bibles. And we had announced that due to a wonderful opportunity and some huge generosity, we were able to purchase 12 pallets worth of these books, which is over 12,000 copies. So at that time, since we put in the order that goes to the printers in India, and they get printed and they get shipped, and for the last two weeks, I've been working on importing these things, doing the paperwork. And they're supposed to arrive by rail in Winnipeg on the 4th. So we're very excited about that because soon we get to start shipping stuff again. And we've been waiting all summer for this. So this week, I don't know when the truck brings them here, but in the next week or two, the truck brings them here. And they've been on a long, long journey. Thank you for all your encouragement and interest in all this. And we're excited to share this with you. Thank you, Mark. That is a praise the Lord item. So uh, just to look a little further down, we have um, need some female and male volunteers uh, at the Boundary Trails Palliative Care Center. And if this is something that God's putting on your heart to get involved in, then um, contact um, the, the number or email Southern Health. We have a couple of more things um, going on. We have been reminded of the Mission Fall Supper. Um, we have the answers in Genesis uh, weekend on October 20 and 22, Friday and Saturday night. So uh, Friday and Saturday all day, right, more or less. And so, you know, open your calendars if that's possible and join in. So let's um, take a moment and pray and ask God to bless the various work that's happening. 
Father, we thank you. We thank you for all the all the things that we as a church community can be involved in. For you know, for people and for the the resources to be able to to do these well. We thank you for blessing us. And Father, we uh, want to hold up the leaders in these various uh, work. You know, the you know, in the women's prayer team, the men's men's prayer team for the two discovery group and uh, for the youth. Father, just hold up these leaders. Give them the time to prepare. Give them the the, the joy to serve. Father, um, our our youth and um, and our times together are precious. Father, we hold up Don and Charel, who are 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 you know working in the Philippines, who are are working at in some ways it feels like working themselves out of work over there, and and help them to build up a team over there. Father, we thank you for the work that's being done in GVC Stonehouse, work that's being done in our, in our youth, in this community. Uh, Father, walk with those leaders, give them um, um, the words to speak, because very often, you know, it's the time they spend personally with the youth, the young people. That's where the great, you can work the best, and Father, May they may they pull together um, a, a time a time together where they can make connections. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to serve in Eden and, and Salem Home and other various places in our community. Uh, be, be a blessing. I'll help Pastor Dean be a blessing and give him the words to speak this morning. Father, we thank you for our adult Sunday school class, for that time together, for our youth and the time that they are together. And Father, bless our, our mission supper, which is um, a time to gather as people and to help support some uh, causes and things that the missions committee is working with. Father, we are in need of people. We are in need of volunteers, drivers, uh, administrative secretary, uh, we need um, volunteers for the palliative care program in our community. Father, um, you have gifted, you have gifted many of us, all of us. And Father, if it's something that you want us to be part of, then uh, help us, Father, to be responsive and to be obedient. Father, we have um, a number of people that are in in hospital and uh, various various health issues. Father, you know what they are. Father, guide the hands of the physicians, of the nurses that care for them, Dorothy Eastbright, Tilda Ham, and then uh, Father, walk with the family as they take care of Carolyn at, at home. Uh, Dave Weeb, Mary Duick, John Suderman, Abe Friesen, and Corny Friesen. Help, have, help them to have the peace that passes all understanding. Because Father, in these times, sometimes we run out of patience. So Father, um, help us to be, help them and their families to have that patience and that peace. Father, I ask that um, you um, uh, bless our time together here this morning. Bless Pastor Victor's words. Help us to be open 
to hear, to take in, and then to um, go out and be that which you are asking for us to be. Father, bless the, the gifts that are going to be given. Um, multiply them. I pray all of this in your name. Amen. Order ushers come forward. Good morning. Scripture reading this morning is taken from Romans 8, verses 1 to 17 and 26 to 27. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man and in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And 26 and 27, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God. Thank you, Ron. Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you here. This morning, for this morning, I chose to speak on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we as Mennonites are kind of haven't done a lot of that over the years. At least that's been my experience. Maybe it's been different here. Um, and so as I dove in, I found out I was diving into a very large pool. <laughs> There's lots in there. So what you're going to get this morning is a bit of a a bit of an overview. Uh, rather than focusing on just one passage, I'm just going to try and and pick up a few things to get us uh, a good understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in our lives, what he does, and so on. <clears throat> and I thought the Holy Spirit would be a good follow-up to uh, my last message, which you might, may recall was about the Bible. And the reason I think it's a good follow-up is because without the Spirit, we can't actually understand the Bible. We can't understand it without the Spirit. So who do we think the Holy Spirit is? <clears throat> is he just the silent partner in the Trinity? Someone who just works in the background and we don't really know what he does? When we pray, we think of the Father as God, we think of the Son as God. Do we also think of the Spirit as God? As a full participant in the plan of God? I don't really address the Spirit in my prayers. And if I look at how Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to address the Father. So we know the Spirit is there, but we don't address him. How do we think about him? And how do we understand him as being uh, part of the Trinity, but also distinct from the Father and the Son, whose roles seem to be more prominent? <clears throat> But well, we do not know the Holy Spirit through our senses, right? But we can know him through what he does. And if we take time to search the scriptures, we can find out quite a lot about him. I am a categorical thinker. So as I was preparing this, I was making lists. <clears throat> lists of what I found. I listed the attributes of the Spirit holiness, truth, power, life, wisdom, etc. And, uh, and also what one has when one is with or in the Spirit, like freedom, fellowship, love, joy, peace, comfort, assurance, unity. There's lots there. These are all things that the Scripture tells us. I also noticed uh, 
that, that there are things that one should do in relation to the Spirit and things that one should not do in relation to the Spirit. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to touch all these things, but these are just some of the things I found out. <clears throat> By far the largest category of things that I found was the, the list of what the Spirit does. I have 24 items on that list, and I'm sure it's not an exhaustive list. So as I said, we can distinguish the Holy Spirit uh, from the Father and the Son by what he does. And one of the most obvious examples of distinguishing the, the Spirit from the Father and the Son is at Jesus' baptism. Uh, you may recall that there Jesus is receiving the baptism, uh, the Holy Spirit comes down on him in bodily form, and the Father at that moment is speaking from heaven. And there you can see plainly, ah, the Trinity. And then the Father said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We also distinguish the persons of the tr Trinity through our salvation experience. The Son is the one who became like us to qualify himself to take our place and die for our sin. He had to become human to die for human sin. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have been reconciled to the Father who sent the Son. And the Spirit is the one who convicts us of righteousness, sin, and judgment, and enables us to believe the Father concerning his Son. Through the conviction of the Spirit, we place faith in the Son and we find peace with the Father. So there again is another good example of how each one is playing a different role and they're all distinct. And by the way, there is nothing like this in any other religion. This is unique to Christianity and it is unique to the one true God. So to whom then does God give his spirit? This was my shortest of all my categories and I found three answers to the question. The spirit is spoken of as a gift from God. Galatians uh, 4, 6 to 7 say this, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you, no so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God gives his spirit to his sons. Now don't think of this in terms of, of male and female, but think of this in terms of position in the family. In ancient Israel, it was the sons that received the inheritance, and we spiritually then are all sons. We all receive the inheritance. Second thing I found out about uh, whom, to whom God gives the Spirit is in Acts 5.32, uh, where God gives his, it says God gives the Spirit to those who obey him. And thirdly, Luke 11.13 tells us that God gives the Spirit to those who ask. If you then are evil, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There you have it. The Spirit is there for the asking, and we can all do it. 
There are several passages that teach us various things about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to work through these, as I said before, and try to pick up kind of the main thrust of each of these passages. The first one is in John chapter 3, starting at verse 2. This is where Nicodemus, uh, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, uh, came to Jesus under the cover of night. And he said this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Anyone who desires God, who wants to be in his kingdom, and have the life that God lives, must be born again. And he must be born of the Spirit. It is not possible to remain in the flesh and enter the kingdom of God. It would be like saying um, something like, I want to be in a marriage, but I want to remain single. (laughs) Kind of doesn't work. And that's why Jesus could say that the kingdom of heaven, uh, pardon me, So the kingdom of heaven is a spiritual kingdom. You cannot remain in the flesh. You must be born again. You must be born of the spirit to be part of the spiritual kingdom. And that is why Jesus could say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, even though it was not visible, right? The Pharisees questioned Jesus about that very thing. And here's what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And the requirement to enter the kingdom is to be born of the Spirit. And those who are reborn will have the seal of this promised Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. As soon as we are born again, that Spirit is in us. And that Spirit seals us, That spirit protects our faith, and that spirit ensures that we will receive the inheritance that is coming. So I don't know what your experience is like. Um, Mine wasn't a big emotional experience. It was more an experience of acknowledgement. Aha, okay. If that's true, then I will... (laughs) And that mo- I think that moment came for me mostly when, uh, I've told you this before, but I, I had cancer. I went to my father-in-law thinking I need to get my, make sure I know where I, where, if, that I have the right mind about time and eternity. My father-in-law took me through the scriptures to show me how we could have assurance of faith. And that day, I, I had an aha, and I thought, Today and from now on, I will accept the scripture as truth, period, whether I understand it or not. 
and I will obey what I understand. So that for me was my experience. And upon that, the Spirit is in you. The Spirit, well, it does all the things that I just said. The purpose of having the Spirit. There's also a purpose in having the Holy Spirit in our being. Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And here's the reason. He gives a reason. That we might understand the things freely given us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. You see, the Spirit is our teacher. Every time I commit myself to studying the Scriptures, I acknowledge that I am the student and the Spirit is my teacher. I trust that the Spirit is at work in my heart and mind to instruct me, to guide my thinking, and to direct my thoughts. I don't have all kinds of wonderful, fuzzy feelings about it. Uh, There's no... There are no, there's no (laughs) fireworks. There's nothing like that. I do this because I believe the word, or I I trust this because I believe the word to be true. And I think that's that's a big challenge for a lot of people. But that I think is is one way in which we can anchor ourselves in what is true. The word says it, so I will believe it and I will act accordingly. And I trust fully that the Spirit is present in my sermon preparation or Sunday school preparation or whatever. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Spirit is our teacher. But the Spirit must also illumine my mind. He must give me understanding. If he does not cause my mind to comprehend what he teaches, then I cannot learn it. So I trust that the Spirit, whom the Father has put in me, will not only teach me, but help me to grasp what he's teaching that I will then pass that on to others. So one purpose in having the Holy Spirit is that we will learn and interpret spiritual truth, and then we will pass it on to others who are spiritual. Now let's look at how the Spirit equips us. I'm not sure that I have all my points in any specific order, and in some sense they kind of all come together because it all happens kind of at the same time. The Spirit comes into us, we believe, and, uh, and then all these things kind of begin together. So one way in which he equips us is what we've just talked about, that he teaches spiritual truth and that we then pass it on to others. And just to add to that, we also have the assurance that the Spirit will not mislead us. Jesus said to the Father, your word is truth, John 17, 17. And he later declared to Pilate that he came to bear witness to the truth. 
And in the same way, we have a declaration that the Spirit is totally aligned with the Father and the Son to deliver truth. John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. That means that we have the assurance that the Spirit will guide us according to what is true which means that his direction will not contradict the Bible or the Lord Jesus. Another equipping is that the Spirit gives spiritual gifts for the good of the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read about that. At verse 4, I'll read. 1 Corinthians 12 at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another the, works of, uh, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions, get this, to each one individually as he wills. This means that no believing person is left out. And each one of us receives gifts. Now you may feel, uh, as I often have, well, I don't really have any spiritual gifts. But if we believe God, then we have to confess that we have them even if we don't know what they are. God gives gifts. If you believe, you have gifts. That's a given. So look again at verse 7. He says, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This means that the gifts of the Spirit are not for ourselves. They are to be shared with the church. Some are obvious. The gifts I have for singing and preaching are to be shared with the church. Uh, they're of no use if I just sing and preach to myself. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you saw the humor in that. Some of us use our gifts uh, like in the kitchen and in the gym when we host funerals and we serve families. Uh, so whether it's working with food, uh, whatever it takes to make all that happen, we're using our gifts. But there are a whole host of gifts that are not widely seen or noticed. But each one is important for the functioning of the body and for the common good. And sometime, maybe, we'll have to talk a little bit more about spiritual gifts. <clears throat> so we've looked at a few things already. There's the requirement to, that to be in the kingdom, we need to be born again of the Spirit. The purpose of having the Spirit in us is to learn spiritual truth and pass it on to others. And also the Spirit equips us, guiding us into all truth and giving us gifts for the common good. Now let's look at a command. 
there's a command concerning the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I'm not going to get into what that means, but that is also worthy of another sermon. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Wow, that's a very long list. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So that's a mouthful of stuff. The command here is to walk by the Spirit. And the rest kind of tells us what that looks like. To walk by the Spirit is not to walk according to the flesh. And in one way, that's, an, that's kind of an easy thing to figure out, right? Don't do the things in the works of the flesh list. And we strive to yield ourselves to the Spirit so that He will produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But because we are independent sexual, sensual, and also worshiping beings, everything on the works of the flesh list is a temptation for us. We want to have healthy sexual relations in our marriage without the desires of the flesh creeping in. And because sex with a spouse and worship of God are both such deep personal experiences it seems that they are prone to the greatest damage uh, when the corruption of sin enters the picture. They strike at the core of our being. Adultery is to the body what idolatry is to the soul. They are both a picture of the other. Doing the right thing spiritually while we live in the flesh is the precarious life of the Christian. The narrow road really is narrow. And for every mile of road, there are two miles of ditch. So along with the command to walk by the Spirit is the command to crucify the flesh. And the flesh must be put to death, it seems, constantly. Or it wants to overpower us. Look again at Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh 
with its passions and desires. What this suggests is that the act of receiving the Spirit through faith in Jesus is the act of crucifying the flesh. In one sense, like, so on, on, on one sense, it's, it's, it seems quite hopeful. Okay, well, good, that's been done then. In, the other, in another sense, it seems hopeless because some days we feel like the flesh is quite alive and well uh, and it directing every thought and deed. Yet if we take this statement as being true for our lives, which it is, then the crucifixion has already happened. And we need to remember what Jesus said to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It is this power that enables us to walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. In Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, he said, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. That's Paul's prayer for the church. My friends, we have been commanded to do something that the world cannot do. To walk contrary to human nature and to walk according to the Spirit. And for that impossible command, the Spirit has already crucified our flesh. And with that, we have access to power that is available only to the children of God. As we keep in step with the Spirit of God, we demonstrate the power of God because He accomplishes something in us that we cannot do on our own. So as we walk by the Spirit, we're being a witness to the world of the power of God. Wow. This leads right into the text that Ron read for us earlier, Romans chapter 8. Now, there's a whole lot to harvest from Romans 8. <clears throat> and, I, and I think earlier in the year I was also in this passage. But I'm just going to pull out uh, a little piece of it. What is the outcome of walking in the Spirit? In Romans 8, 2, we read that the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This means that we are not under the law which condemns our sin. <clears throat> We're not under the law. Why is that? The law of the spirit of life is that the flesh is crucified and dead, and we walk by the spirit who gives life and not by the, spirit, by the flesh which is dead. Once the flesh is dead, no law applies, right? Which law applies to a dead man? <laughs> Not happening. Also, we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. John, uh, 1 John 1 verse 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Jesus' blood washes away our sin. 
With our sin washed away, we look blameless. Since the flesh is dead and our sins have been washed away, the stage is set for something unbelievable. Look at verses 3 and 4. Again, Romans 8, 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that is, in Jesus' body, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. <laughs> Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? So what does this all mean? It means that God is doing something that is really actually quite hard to fathom. By the sinless one becoming sin for us, he has removed sin from the sinful ones. And since the sinful ones have been washed clean by the blood of the sinless one, we look blameless. And imputed to us is the righteousness of Jesus, the sinless one. Who could have conceived of such a plan? That by Jesus becoming human, the impurity of the sin of man could be taken from us by the sinless Son of God and condemned in the flesh without tainting the holiness of God. <laughs> Remember we talked about the holiness of God? In the presence of holiness, unholiness must die. How awesome is our God? Just a couple more things in this passage about the outcome of this walking in the Spirit. Verse 11 answers a question for me that pops up when we talk about crucifying the flesh. It says, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So we talk about crucifying the flesh. We're talking about killing the body in which we live. But when we receive Christ and the Spirit enters us, we find that our bodies are not, in fact, dead. It is the power of the resurrection that enables us to continue living in the flesh while we consider it dead and walk by the Spirit. Since the flesh has been put to death, we are alive because of the Spirit. In a very real sense, we are no longer our own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 say this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. The reality is that we have been totally transformed by the Holy Spirit. The outcome of walking with the Holy Spirit is that he has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and life and peace. The Spirit 
has been active in every part of our salvation, of our sanctification, and of our justification. I'm going to close in a moment, but before I do that, I just want to share with you that list of things that I found that the Spirit does. And I've, I've got references for all of these. I won't list them, but uh, I'll just say, the Spirit creates, the Spirit loves, the Spirit convicts, the Spirit falls on those who hear the Word. That's not another thing we could talk about. The Spirit begets life in our spirits when we are born again. So the Spirit gives life. The Spirit inhabits our bodies. He assures us that we are sons of God. The Spirit gives spiritual gifts as He sees fit. The Spirit speaks. The Spirit directs us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He gives us strength and power. The Spirit groans on our behalf when we have no words. The Spirit intercedes for the saints. The Spirit produces in believers the fruit of the Spirit. He reveals the mystery of the gospel. He sanctifies us. He seals the believer for the day of redemption and is the guarantee of our inheritance. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. He submits to the Father and to the Son. He teaches us. He testifies to the truth. And the Spirit washes, regenerates, and justifies. When we talk about the Spirit, sometimes we long for a deeper connection. We, we want to somehow feel like we're close to God and we're, we're yearning for an experience. And uh, if it's any comfort to you, I don't get those experiences. Uh, and I think God speaks to us in various ways. He connects with people in di different ways. So I don't have those feelings of being connected to God. But I have the knowledge of God, and I can trust his word and believe it. But for those who are yearning for that connection, the scripture has, has an answer for us. And that's from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Since you eager for manifestations of the Spirit, here's what he tells us. Strive to excel in building up the church. You want to have the Spirit? You want to know the Spirit? Strive to excel in building up the church. I think that's probably, well, it's a very good thing for us to know and to do. Dear friends, we learned a few weeks ago about the reliability of the Word of God. It is immovably trustworthy. Today we learned some things about the Spirit of God and the trust from the trustworthy Word of God. These two work together. A preacher friend of mine used to say that the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and does the work of God. And I think I see that clearer today than ever. Let's commit ourselves to being in step with the Spirit of God and to excel in building up the church. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, wow, there is so much to learn about your spirit. Thank you for giving us this glimpse. Thank you for helping us to see that your spirit is active in every part of our lives. 
And help us, Father, to accept and trust that your word is speaking truth to us. That when we believe, the Spirit is in us. And if we have the Spirit, we have power. And if the Spirit is in us, the flesh is dead. And we can walk by the Spirit. Father, help us to take hold of these truths, to, to grasp them, to live by them, to believe them and trust them. And we ask you, Father, that you would fill us with your Spirit. We long to be close to you. Hallowed be your name. Amen. Now I can understand a whole lot more why I was supposed to choose number 527. We praise thee, O God, because he's worthy. So let's sing it together. It is so wonderful to have the organ and the pianist working together today, isn't it? It's good. Wow. Okay, and before we sing verse 5, um, Victor, will you please come up and close for us? And then we will finish with verse 5. Let's do it. receive this blessing and benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.